0: Sydney, Australia, exclusively on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio, this is Wrestling's Week That Was, here is your host, Joel the Man
1: O'Brien.
0: your co-editor of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, coming to you like I always do from the land down under, Sydney, Australia. So we are going to be with you for the next hour, hour and a half, hopefully just an hour today, uh, talking all the major news, shows and matches coming out of the week that was exclusively on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio. We have a ton to cover today, as usual, the Road to Night of Champions continues and it faced a major bump in the road in the form of Monday Night Raw. What am I talking about? We'll be getting into it later on in the show. CM Punk wedding photos infested the internet wrestling community this week with unsurprising results, and we'll be talking about that. Uh, TNA are seemingly on the verge of landing a new uh, new TV deal so uh, that's definitely definite major news to talk about but as always we'll be talking that terrible roar from last monday main event uh, NXT smackdown uh, impact wrestling and so much more as usual so i hope that you will stick around with us the entire hour. Uh, but before we delve into this, ho- this week's hot topics, remember we are live. Yes, we are live all across the world as we speak. So that means you can interact with the show at any time by calling me on 760 888 or tweeting me directly at r Break, capital W, capital R, capital B, and I will read and discuss your tweets live on the PWP radio airwaves. So how was everyone's week? Was it stressful? Was it boring? Was it you know, was it tiring? Currently in Australia, it is pissing down with rain, so my week has been wet and somewhat miserable. Busy, but uh, here we are at the end of the week, ready to give you as much pro wrestling news as I can fit into an hour broadcast. Now, first of all, when it comes to prowrestlingpowerhouse.com, I just want to give a big, big thank you. To everyone who made the Dean Ambrose uh, article that I wrote about, um, about I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, one of the most popular and one of the most liked articles in the history of uh, me being on ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. It's always very encouraging to get uh, an immense uh, amount of Facebook likes, uh, retweets, uh, views. It all adds up and uh, I'm very happy with uh, the response and I hope that, uh, if you haven't read it, uh, there's an article that I wrote about Dean Ambrose and how I compare him to possibly replacing John Cena. I mean, it's a little bit uh, far-fetched to kind of think about now, but you, you look at the uh, groundwork and what he's already done in a short amount of time uh, uh, on being on his own, he's done an incredible amount, and I think there's a lot to relate to. And that's what you want for your top babyface. You want someone to relate to who's humanised, who, uh, who's on your level. And I think Dean Ambrose is definitely on that path. So definitely check it out, guys, if you haven't already. Uh, thank you so much for everyone that's uh, followed it and uh, liked it, and, and I, I've loved all the great feedback. And I continue to try and upsize the uh, the uh, Dean Ambrose article that I I provided with uh, the next article. So thanks very much. Uh, there, are, I'm not here just to talk about myself. I'm here to talk about the rest of the PWP writing community. There are there is so much great content on the site right now Uh, a lot of new writers it's always encouraging to see so many new writers step up and provide uh, different perspectives on things that you wouldn't really expect to be talked about Uh, case in point uh, Suleiman John who just recently joined our team about about almost a month ago uh, produced a fantastic fantastic article on uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, Shawn Michaels and and how it all ties into Christianity and the the, the presentation of Christianity uh, obviously, Suleman Jones is a, is an active Christian, and, and that's fantastic. And he's t- tied his passion for Christianity and tied it into a, an article about pro wrestling. Check it out. It's really, really, really great. Um, of course, my co-editor-in-chief, uh, my, co- my friend, uh, Aaron Ramanov has tons, and I'm talking tons of content now up on the site. Uh, talking about Chris Benoit being, uh, being 10 years since Chris Benoit passed away and uh, does uh, time heal all wounds. Uh, he's also going through the five top champions in WWE history, as we are on the road to night of champions. Um, yeah, uh, plus just, like I swear he's on his 100th articles. He's always producing content. He's the hardest-working man in ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. And uh, check out his work. You will not be disappointed. And, of course, Oliver Oliver Norgrove has a great article up right now talking about how Roman Reigns will not suffice uh, being the next top guy in WWE. Um, I've already told uh, Oliver, and I've already put it out on our uh, Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Facebook page, I will be rebuttaling uh, Oliver Norgrove's statement in uh, the next 24 hours. So do expect uh, my new article, based on why Roman Reigns will suffice as uh, WWE's top guy. Uh, Do check that out in the next 24 hours. Um, So, yeah, so thanks very much for everyone who's been following the site. Enough about the site. Let's get to why we're here. Let's talk about the top news of the week. And, of course, United Champions continues to build uh, towards, obviously, John Cena versus Brock Lesnar, the rematch for... uh, from uh, SummerSlam (laughs) what does everyone think about this uh, this progression we're we're formulating towards uh, Night of Champions it's it's not it's not the best (laughs) I'll say this I'll say this I I think the John Cena Brock Lesnar uh, situation is still very interesting and I'm
1: curious to see
0: what's going to happen I think everyone is but I think, like, the rest of the, the, rest of the uh, program, it just really feels like WWE is spinning their wheels. Like, it's just, they're regurgitating old rivalries. Next week on Raw, it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton, again. It's going to be Bray Wyatt versus Chris Jericho, again. It's going to be Miz and uh, Dolph Ziggler and Iron Champions again. You know, like, it's, it's, like, there's a lot of just recycling of feuds, and I think WWE does this a lot after SummerSlam. Um, and it's just a bit disheartening considering the great lead-up that we had to SummerSlam and how great that pay-per-view was. I don't understand why WWE just can't keep up the momentum. You know, like, they're doing business, you know, 365 days a year. Like, come on, like, keep up the momentum. I don't see why, like, you know, fans have to suffer for Night of Champions. I'm sure they still think that they're doing a bad job, but, you know, Monday Night Raw was any indication... They're doing a bad job, I guess. I I don't, I don't like to be a negative Nancy on the whole situation, but uh, yeah, just right now WWE's kind of spinning their wheels. So I mean, we'll, we'll, a lot of matches were made for Night of Champions. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely be getting into that into the, into the next wrestling week that was because I think we'll we'll be reviewing Night of Champions. So Touchwood, a lot of these pay per views uh, like Night of Champions when they start, uh, we don't we aren't very interested in in them. But then we get to the pay-per-view, we see the match line-up, we actually watch the matches, and they're actually kind of good matches, so, you know, we'll, let, let's just uh, save our criticisms for after the pay-per-view, like, you know, holistically.
1: In other news,
0: um, CM Punk's wedding photos, well, a handful of them were uh, distributed uh, out into the internet, uh, I think at the start of the week, and uh, the internet wrestling community obviously just jumped all over it and spammed the photos, and... Threw them into every single Facebook group and Twitter handle that you could think of, and of course CM Punk reacted uh, very viciously, saying that anyone who uh, retweeted the photos or or, or spam the photos would be blocked and would be uh, taken off his uh, would uh, would not follow CM Punk. There's been a lot of divide in, in, in like what fans think about this, and like, a lot of fans are like "Oh, it's typical CM Punk complaining again." You know, shut the fuck up. You left the company. You know, what's the point? You know, like it, you so you're a celebrity. But really, like I just see this as the the biggest invasion of privacy. We all know that CM Punk is a very private person, and like the situation with his his wedding photos, it's like well, you know. It's like like these people have gone into his house and found found these really lovely moments that he he wants to just keep between he and his wife and his friends. Who are we to be subjected to to checking them out? You know, I I, I completely uh, sympathize with CM Punk in this situation. So what, he's a celebrity, so that's, that's to be expected. Doesn't mean he has to be happy about that. You know, a lot of fans are just like, Oh, we left the WWE like this, and you know this this happens, you, know, you shouldn't complain. I ha- he has every right to complain. Uh, and for the fans that are con- convinced that, uh, oh, you know, you should come back and all that stuff, I think that's definitely not going to happen. And like with moments like this, you're almost solidifying the fact that he will never come back. Because being in the limelight and whatnot, it, you're, only, you're asking, asking for this kind of attention. He doesn't want it. So, you know, I think the fans that want him to come back should just leave the photos alone. That's just my that's just my little two cents in the situation.
1: In uh, TNA
0: news, uh, TNA it looks like they're about just to uh, finalize a television deal to keep them on the air, as uh, Spike will be getting rid of them uh, coming at the start of 2015.
1: It looks like uh, the,
0: the the Velocity Channel uh, in the states is going to be picking them up. Now, a known the fact that Dave Meltzer threw out there uh, in regards to tel- television exposure. Uh, compared to other pro-wrestling uh, promotions out there, if TNA lines up this deal with Velocity, they're going to be having 7% more household exposure than Ring of Honor on the Sinclair Network. The Sinclair Network is a massive, uh, huge television network in the States. Now, that's a huge cut to uh, to TNA's... Uh, you know, television content and, and who it can get to. That is a huge uh, knife in the coffin. I mean, they'll be on television and the diehards, will you know, I, I wonder if the diehards are actually going to follow TNA to this new channel. Um, I don't know who gets Velocity over here in, in Australia, let alone in the States. I know for a fact that it's quite a hard channel to get. You need a particular service provider to get a Velocity. TNA, I tell you what, they're they're hanging on by a thread, um, and it's it's quite a shame because you watch the television shows, and if you watch them as standalone episodes, they're not too bad. I mean, they're still they're still doing television tapings. Well, they're still uh, cycling through their television tapings from New, New York City, and of course that's a great atmosphere, and this week's show was no exception. But we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what does TNA do? Do they do they go fully internet do they you know stop producing the content online so that at least it's easy to, easy for uh, fans to find them because they can just go to the website the YouTube page I don't know you know like it's a very risky time for WWE uh, for, for WWE for DNA um, and it's just such a shame because you watch the television show and there's so much talent all over the show you know you gotta wonder like why why is um? Well, it's just such a shame it, that's all i can really say. It's, and and he's hoping that TNA can rebound bounce back and find something uh that can keep them on uh, keep them relevant in the pro wrestling industry. Um meanwhile on the WWE network, they're finally doing what i stated in one of my articles about it, about 2 months ago. Uh i stated that WWE Network should start producing and cycling through old sequential uh television content. So like, you know, Blocks of Monday Night Raw, SmackDown. And what they're doing is they're going to be doing that with the WCW Nitro. Starting next week, we're going to have at least 100 hours of our WCW Nitro put up on the site, straight there, and people can watch it all the way through. There is a selling point right there for for the WWE Network. Not only will we get the pay-per-views, but hey, you want to watch those old WCW pay-per-views that you you don't really know about, that you didn't really know the storylines leading up to them? Don't worry. Now WWE Networks has the, the 100 hours of Nitro that can fill in the gaps and uh, make a fan more, much more excited for the pay-per-view when they finally get around to watching it. You know, I think that w- that's what happened when I started watching the WWE Network. We Absolutely. had great pay-per-views. Don't get me wrong. You know, like in the 1993, 94... Well, me, Nitro was like 1996, 97. Still some great pay-per-views in 1996. 1997, 8, 9 but they were just standalone great wrestling shows Um, I really feel especially watching television now you you need those storylines those great storylines to give those matches much more gravitas when you watch them now WWE Network is starting to access the the videotape library for the television shows so you can fill in the gaps and get get those fans excited to the point where they should have been Uh, and you know so that's really, really great to see, and hopefully they continue that on with you know 100 hours of Monday Night Raw, 100 hours of SmackDown coming up. You know, like, I think that's the next logical step for WWE Network to keep their subscribers coming back. And SmackDown, it seems like it's going to be remaining on Fridays. There was a lot of talk about them going to Thursdays uh, uh, for the stable future. They're going to be staying on Sci-Fi on Friday nights. Um, I think they they still have a, a very general, generally good rating. On, on Friday nights on Sci-Fi, so uh, it makes sense for them to to maintain where they are. So that's always very very good. Uh, very very quickly, Jake Roberts. Uh, uh, Jake, think Roberts obviously went through some uh, major major health issues at the start of the week. He's been diagnosed with double pneumonia in both of his lungs. and Has been complaining about uh, chest chest pains on a flight in, uh, on a flight to somewhere in the States. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But a very quick update. It's uh, as of August 31. Uh, Roberts underwent surgery to remove fluid in his lungs, uh, which was a resounding, renowning success. Uh, breathing is much better, but still on a respirator, and uh, there's tests upcoming to see if he can breathe on his own. But the positive thing is that he's joking around in the hospital, he's talking, he's, he's fully uh, conscious, he's, you know, he seems in very good spirits. So uh, best of health to Jake DeSantis Roberts. After what he's been through... And he, the road to recovery that he's gone on,
1: he deserves
0: an, another run in some way, shape, or form in WWE. Be, it, be it a producer, you know. Like he, he's got a great mind for the industry, uh, an amazing talent when it comes to, to delivering promos that just captivate audiences. Team up Jake Roberts with a Bray Wyatt. Give Bray Wyatt that focus that he needs in his promos, and. You'll make money like like nothing else. So yeah, and also just to finalize the the, the news of the week, it is the Intercontinental Championships' 38th birthday. 38 uh, years ago, on this week, uh, the Intercontinental Championship was uh, defended. It was, uh, was actually won by Pat Patterson in Rio de Janeiro, and uh, now 38 years later, it's certainly not the championship that it used to be. Um, there's all never say never in WWE there's always time there's always a chance to make that championship relevant you know um, uh, current champions Dolph Ziggler um, I'm sure he would benefit from that championship meeting a whole lot more on television but it is not to be at the moment um, as the, yeah we'll, we'll get into uh, to Monday Night Raw and Smackdown later on but and what, and what they can do to unify these championships and what they feel like they're doing right now but that's, uh, we'll save that for Smackdown later on in the show. Okay, so let's get into the, the Raw three-count review. So we just take the three greatest points from Raw that were of most interest. And this week I use interest in inverted commas because, let's just be frank, Monday Night Raw this week sucked. And I don't think I'm alone in saying that. Uh, It took me a long while to get to watching Raw this week. I watched it on Friday. I had already seen plenty of posts on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse, uh, the Facebook page, plenty of other other groups just condemning the show. And I usually just always keep an open mind because some fans get angry about the stupidest things. I watched the three hours and I guarantee, and I, I safely say, it was the longest three hours of my life. (laughs) <laughs> if you're looking for a definitive example of WWE spinning their wheels following similar same, this horrible three hours of television was it. I mean, uh, but look, before we get into the bad, and there was plenty of bad, let's just get into the good. I believe the show started off okay for one great example involving John Cena. John Cena... The potential, the potential of of telling these really this really interesting story when it comes to John Cena, it, it's pre- it's prevalent right now go, uh, going into his match against Brock Lesnar. They're doing this storyline now where John Cena seems crazy. He's not listening to reason. He wants to go into this fight against John uh, against Brock Lesnar, even though he was destroyed, even though he was, he was maimed. Uh, I love the fact that Triple H was just like, you know, this is the reason why I think it's best for business that you don't wrestle. You know, you're not thinking clearly. You had Hall of Famers last week tell you that they don't think that you should be wrestling uh, uh, Brock Lesnar. That you m- it might be at the end of your road. You know, take this into consideration. He won't. He won't listen to them. I truly, really, really think that this is going to set up a great situation where Brock Lesnar destroys John Cena again. I hope that this happens on, at Night of Champions. Can you imagine going through two consecutive pay-per-views where John Cena loses and just gets destroyed? Like, where does John Cena go from there? What a great story to tell. What a different story to ch- tell from John Cena. You know, like, sure he had the thing with Rock and Cena, but that was that was just such bullshit. You know, like, oh, yeah, one match destroyed my, my, my momentum. Eh, they really, really didn't. This it's obvious that if he gets absolutely monstered by Lesnar again, I just think it sets up sets uh, the whole show up for potentially great storytelling, new fresh storytelling when it comes to John Cena, because after you know t- 12 years on top, or 12 years in the company, you need some fresh storytelling. So I like I like the direction that they're going. I guess the direction really just depends on what the outcome is going to be at another champions. Hopefully they. They heed my my advice and and go with that because I, if John Cena like you know, has a competitive match and it's back for back and forth and Lesnar wins by cheating, it's just gonna destroy Lesnar's momentum and it's just Cena's just back to normal. It didn't help that John Cena uh, didn't sell his injuries from from SummerSlam. He was back one week later with, with with no problem at all, even though he was dropped in his head sixteen times. But Again, that was another story for last week, but we're talking about this week. And this week, we got Nikki Bella in four segments on national television. Need I say any more? i I read a comment on Facebook that someone said like, oh, Nikki's so much better than Brie. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Did anyone see the delivery of her crap dialogue in these Remembering Bella segments? Is that what they call them? Remembering Bella? Oh my god, this, this... This was the worst part of the show that had so many bad parts. I mean, if this was... If this was, like, on a really, really good show and they did four segments like this, it would almost be comical. But because we had bad segment after bad segment after a logical segment after bad segment, this was just... By the third segment, I was just like, oh my frickin' god. Get this woman off my television she's talking about like what was she talking about oh you know oh, Brie Corre- Brie lost her license so she's still mine she's not really a good person it's like <sighs> I will say this trying to find a silver lining in all of this the fact that we had all four four prominent D- oh, so two prominent diva programs mesh together and take up you know facons Considerable amount of time on television this week shows you that they're trying. They're trying with, to, to to get the Divas relevant on on, on television. You have to comm- uh, to commend them for that. At least they're trying. They could just do the same thing they've done with the Divas and do those terrible multi-woman matches, but they're trying something. It just so happens that the Divas that they're involving involved with Brie Bella, Nikki Bella, in Bella's Bella storyline. They suck. They really, really do, and they've always sucked. Um, they've broken up and got back together at least twice that I remember. Um, you take Stephanie McMahon out of the situation and you really have a lackluster, boring uh, feud that just seems just so fake. Uh, you know, I, you can they can tear out each other's hair as much as they like. It's just so boring and so fake. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, it's good to have... I think it's good to m- mesh in... Uh, uh, AJ Lee and Paige, because at least they're stronger divas. They can they can kind of infuse a bit more interest into this rivalry. I'm fine with that. That's it, Like For something like Knight of Champions, that's fine. Um, and then we just moved to... to uh, I'm not going to talk about the main event, because the main event was just a generic, long, six-man tag. They built uh, very quickly, they built very nicely to John Cena finally getting that hot tag at, at the end of the match. He runs wild, shows he's strong, and he moves on to Knight of Champions. It's a, it's a story that's been done to death. I just want to talk about Big Show and Mark Henry versus the Wyatts. The, this, this, match, this, this match killed me. Show and Henry have versed the Wyatts every single week for like, I swear, three weeks. And I, I think, on one week, they wrestled on Raw and SmackDown.
1: Like,
0: and they're trying to sell me on the fact that, oh, it's, it's 400 pounds of humanity coming up, like, oh, it's some, some kind of big match. We've seen this match so many times, and it was okay. And they did the same spot where Rowan Body Slam is the big show. I marked out big time when I first saw that in the first match they had, and it was a good match. I was like, yeah, cool, cool. Bit showing Henry won, but at least the Wyatts, you know, fought gallantly, and they, they weren't completely buried, even though they lost cool then we get this match where it was so slow did it go over two commercial breaks someone tell me on Twitter I think it did it was just painful painful stuff Uh, and then for the icing on the cake it ends on a DQ match gets thrown out because of Rusev's interference (sighs) you know it's, it's matches like this that that everyone starts really shitting on WWE there's so much good stuff going on in the company right now I mean it shows like this where they just like they, they spin their wheels and like they throw in the same matches same combinations and then we have matches like this where it just goes on and on and on and on and in a, in a DQ at least next week, we've got a stacked show, we've got Orton versus Reigns for a, in a SummerSlam rematch, and we've got Bray versus Jericho in a steel cage. At least we've got two uh, good matches that, that if they hype them well, which they will over the show, I'm sure they will, uh, it should be a good show. So, you know, he, he, touch wood that's the case. What's, what's worth watching on the show? Nothing. Usually there's something. I mean, I, if you really want to be picky, I mean, I I, I think that Mark Henry standing up to Rusev was great. I really like Mark Henry in that role. I think he's much better than Big E, and he's got so much more charisma than Jack Swagger. And I, I really like him in the role. Will the match be good eventually? No, it won't be good. But at least we're getting good promos, and and, and Mark Henry's being used well. So that's one point. And the Miz. Now they've added a, they've added a, of course Damian Sand- Sandow as his quote unquote stunt double, and they've got a director's chair and a makeup assistant in his corner when he wrestles. Awesome! I that's that's great. Like that is just fantastic old school dick heat. Like I love it. I love it. So check out the Miz in his tag team match with uh, Cesaro versus uh, Sheamus and Dolph Ziggler. I mean it was a fun match. I mean yeah. No, was was, was War, Warwolf watching? Hell no. <laughs> okay, then we go into main events. The main event quickie. Let's just go through the results very, very quickly. Uh, Dolph Ziggler defeated uh, Damian Sandow, even though uh, uh, The Miz was meant to be on... Uh, uh, Miz TV was meant to have Dolph Ziggler, but uh, San, Sandow stepped in, and thus a match was made. Uh, I, I I like it. I It, it extended the story. Uh, Sandow has a good match. He's good. good in the ring. It was a good match. Um, yeah, and it builds towards Miz eventually, hopefully getting here uh, at Night of Champions and then Ziggler can move on to other greater things. Uh, Summer Rae and Layla versus Natalia and Rosa Mendez. This is just a repeat of the horrible, 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 horrible six-woman six, ma- six woman tag team match that we saw on Raw uh, that tried to sell us on Total Divas. I didn't even want to bother talking about it. Even, just, just get out of your mind. Just know that there was a six-woman tag on Raw. It was absolutely horrible. This match on main event, it was horrible too. So moving on. The Dusts, the uh, Goldust and Stardust, uh, defeated Los Matadores. Uh, and a squash match that just really set up, uh, up uh, them as contenders, going into their tag team title match against the Usos. Um... I really, really like just the build that they have be doing with with the Usos. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's nothing that's gonna turn heads. It's just a solid tag team championship program. I think it's great. You got the, the Dust turn heel. They try to keep, They try to always keep outspining the, the the Usos. The Usos keep outspining them. Usos get injured. There's doubt going into the championship match great, it's, it's simple stuff and see, like, this kind of good stuff, this good solid stuff is overshadowed by the shit of like, shows like Money Night Raw this week, it's, it's such a shame because there's some great stuff in the company right now John Cena and Brock Lesnar at its core, with those great Brock Lesnar videos, with Paul Heyman doing promos, they're great you know, Seth Rollins is great Dean Ambrose is great there's a lot of good stuff going on in the WWE. It's just weeks like this where it's just like, ugh, it pisses me off because fans will just hold weeks like this up high and go, see, WWE sucks. It, they, it doesn't really. It's a good show. Speaking of good shows, good, solid, pro-wrestling, logical shows. NXT this week. Uh, the go-home show before NXT TakeOver, which is happening next Thursday, was a near perfect blueprint of how to make each member of a pay-per-view look good Um, through matches and commentary Um, like if you don't know they put all the contenders of the fatal four-way NXT championship match in uh, one-on-one matches which each one won handily including the baby faces and the heels just beat people just clean one, two, three no bullshit uh, they had interviews before the matches of them talking about you know what they're going to do. The commentators put over each man's uh, role in the match and how they could be you know like, obviously Neville's going to be quick. Uh, Tyson Kidd's got the veteran style. He's going to be he's going to be that wily veteran. Uh, you know Sami Zayn's going to be the risk taker. You know he's got so much to prove. And of course the dark horses, you know, and Tyler Breeze, and he's got the, he's got he's got matches behind him that he's won. is great! It's it's, it's it's all in a 45-minute show. You know who the contenders are. You know why they're in the match because they're winners. Great stuff! Great stuff. I mean, let's just get very quickly into because the the NXT Weekly Awards is what we do every week, uh, every show. We, we just break up who the who who the winners are for this week and the NXT Up and Comer of the Week goes to Alexa Bliss. While all this main event stuff was going on, it was great. Alexa Bliss, I haven't seen Alexa Bliss that much, because I watch NXT every two weeks. I try to watch it every week, but you know, life gets in the way. Uh, Alexa Bliss, she's got a great look, she's smooth in the ring, and she looks so comfortable against Charlotte, which is pretty much WWE's best diva at the moment, even though she's, to the epitome of the word Rookie, which is crazy. Um, she, yeah, she's a small little thing, but that doesn't matter. Like, you know, AJ's small, and she's literally the biggest personality in WWE on the main roster. So size doesn't matter in regards to the Divas, as far as I'm concerned. Um, she's very cute. She's got a great look. Yeah. Eyes on Alexa, Alexa Bliss. But on the, on the other side, the NXT downside of the week goes to Alexa Bliss's gimmick. She's a fairy. She comes out and like her music's all like fairy dust, like that that chime going on. What the hell is this? This is not the nineteen, the early nineties where we have these these stock characters that are from like fairy tale books. This is not like you know Paul Birchall thinking he's a pirate. (laughs) This is ridiculous. This is the WWE in two thousand fourteen. Characters like this aren't going to float. Yeah, I'd rather her just come into generic music, be bubbly, be nice, and that's it. There's no divas tag team championship uh, title up there where her and Bailey can team up. be, be like, the crazy, you know, we've already, but besides that, we've already got Bailey, who's like you know, the happy-go-lucky character. We don't need another uh, character that goes beyond the realism of being like, 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 at least Bailey's just a happy person. She's not a bloody fairy. Comes out in a tutu. Come on. That's just death. That is a death gimmick. Get that gimmick off at this talented performer. She'll have no chance of getting to the main roster with something like that. Uh, but the MVP of the week, the best player of the show, goes to the team of the Void Villains. Now, Kalisto and the Void Villains faced each other in the finals of uh, to decide who was going to go to NXT Takeover as the uh, the number one contenders to the tag team championships. I yeah. This main event of the show, by the way. It's just great. It's just a good balance of, of importance. You know, because they've been doing... Hey, it makes sense. We've been doing this tournament for so long. We need to build up towards... You know, like, you know, this deserves to be on the main event. And it was a good... Solid, it could have been longer, but, you know, there was a lot of matches thrown into 45 minutes. Um, it could have been longer, but it was great. The Wood villains, even though they lost Kalisto and Sinkara... This is exactly the kind of team, and the kind of characters that you want playing comedy, comedy acts. They're funny, they've got a great entrance, fans like them, but when they get into the ring, they're credible in the ring. Every match they've won up to, to, to last Thursday night has been solid, clean, pinfall victories where they have wrestling skills on show. Aiden English is is, is amazing. His centon looks incredible. Simon Gotch is solid in the ring. He was he was keeping up with all the lucha spots. He looked great. You know, like they they bump well. They've got good chemistry together. The, you know, this is this is the ultimate comedy uh, act if you ask me. And this is what they should look for going ahead. You know, something something like the Lord villains. What, what the void villains have got on NXT. So yes, a good solid show. Do catch the Kalisto-Sinkara versus the villains match. It's short, it's sweet. Um, Yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, So, yeah, definitely check that out. That was NXT, and that was the NXT Weekly Awards. Okay, so let's just get into SmackDown, the good and the bad of SmackDown. Now, usually uh, when it comes to SmackDown, compared to Raw, it's like, it was a nothing show. But, you know, while this show is almost a carbon copy... Of what took place on RAW, it was still exactly what RAW wasn't. Uh, how is that? Well, one, it was fun, and two, it was just low on bullshit. It was straight. It was a straightforward wrestling show. A main event was made at the start. It was executed at the end, and it was it was a fun fun show. There, there was just nothing to it. I mean, they didn't compl- complicate. Uh, show with angles and, and, and bullshit Nikki Bella segments. Just, let's, they had one in there, but like, you, know, you could easily brush over it. Let's just get into the good of the show. First of all, the, the first thing that stood out to me on Smackdown this week was having AJ and Seamus on commentary. And immediately, you could just, they, they just came across as so natural. Nothing was forced. There was no script here. They probably have someone in their ear, you know, saying what they should say. But but they just felt so natural. There was no script anywhere. They 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 came across as very much li- very much, very likable. Seamus especially. Like I've I've met Seamus in real life and had a, had, had a, at least a fifteen minute chat with him. He's a lovely lovely guy. Uh, and you, and you get this, this this charisma that obviously WWE sees. But they feed them these scripts, you know. And they like, say, so, you know, regurgitate this, these lines. Back in the day, they never did that. And, you know, like, and I don't remember too many risque, risque subjects being brought up in the 1980s and all that stuff. Like, it was pretty, it was pretty tame, from what I've watched, you know, on television. There, there was a bit, it was a bit suggestive, but that was about it. Please give these talent, give this talent, like AJ and Seamus, much more freelance to write, do their own promos, you know, like it's, like I know people like Jericho and Triple H, and they do their own stuff because they're established veterans that have gone through that kind of system where they've learnt themselves, give the chance to AJ and Seamus and other talented people like that, like Cesaro as well, you know, I think it was a good example, I think they would have more superstars on commentary so they can actually learn just to, just, just to react to things naturally. Also, we got we got a promo on Raw, but I wanted to talk about it on SmackDown because it really kind of hit home on SmackDown. Bray Wyatt's promos are much more short and sweet and to the point. Now, last week I wrote, wrote about how Bray Wyatt needed to start making sense. On, uh, you can check that article out on prowrestlingpowerhouse.com under my name, Joel O'Brien, on the main page. Um, his promos have been way too out there, way too all over the place. Uh, you know, Bray... Just ridiculous stuff so um, this this promo was just like uh, Chris Jericho we've got a cage match on Monday I'm going to take you to the limit I'm going to beat you you know he goes run man that was it it was just very straightforward and I loved it I thought it was fantastic and that's what we need much more of, of from Bray White his character was still there it was still solid uh, you know like his crazy mannerisms were all still there And, yeah, this is exactly what Bray White needs. Short, concise promos to the point. And it looks like they're doing it now for for two promos in a week. Looks good. Very quickly, I don't want to... This has been a very negative show this week because it's been a lackluster week for pro wrestling. That's fine. You're going to have weeks like this. But let's just get to the bad of SmackDown. I'm getting tired of generic 10-man tag setups. Where everyone's issues are meshed together. So SmackDown starts and John Cena comes out. He goes on. He pretty much exactly repeats what he did. We said on on Raw. I'm gonna beat John Cena. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat Brock Lesnar. I'm gonna beat Brock Lesnar's ass. Besides, what does that mean? I'm not gonna I'm just gonna beat Brock Lesnar. I'm gonna beat beat his ass. It's it's a bit of a mixed term. But then we get The Authority coming out. Then we get Roman Reigns coming out. Then we get uh, Chris Jericho coming out. Then we get The Whites coming out. Then we get Her- Shawn Henry coming All the while, I'm just, like everything that John Cena said has just been completely lost in, in stars bringing up their own issues. It, they keep compiling and compiling and compiling. And there's just too many people in the ring. And by the end of it, it's just like, okay, we've got a tag team match. But it's like, what the hell is going on? I get why why there's segments like this, but we see it all the time. It's just such a boring way of setting up matches. You know, the sequential uh, entrance uh, routine where everyone comes out. It's like, come on. And uh, finally, the bad of SmackDown. Now, Dolph Ziggler versus, uh Cesaro was not bad that I'm talking about. Completely the opposite. What I'm talking about is that they've got this storyline, right? Where the US champion and the, U- and the United States champion have contenders that they're going to be facing at Night of Champions. Fine. Yet WWE puts them into these matches where the US champion is wrestling the number one con- contender to the Intercontinental Championship. Then on SmackDown, we have Dolce Ziggler, the Intercontinental Champion, fighting the number one contender to the US champion. Someone has to lose in this whole uh, to-do. And, of course, it ends up being Cesaro. Spoiler alert, but that shouldn't, shouldn't come to any, uh, to any surprise. But, like, where's the logic behind this? When the losses matter, right? So, Cesaro loses to the Intercontinental champion. <laughs> what does that make him look when he's going to go against the US champion? What chance does he have? And if he wins the United States championship against Sheamus, like, what kind of champion is he going to be? The champion of losers, he's been losing all the way up to the pay-per-view and he wins the championship. It's this backward mentality like they have with these two secondary championships. Like, Dolph Ziggler gets beaten like a drum. And he's the, he's the Intercontinental Champion. Oh, but he beats people like Damian Sandow. I was like, come on. And Titus yes. O'Neil. It's like, it's like, they intertwine these storylines where someone's going to have to lose and it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Keep these rivalries separate. You want to have Dolph Ziggler versus someone, have him versus someone that he can beat. You want to put up Cesaro and the fact that Cesaro is a great wrestler that he could beat Sheamus at Night of Champions, put him up against someone that's, that he can beat and show off. You know, show off on. I don't know. So that, that was the baddest match and that kind of really got, got my uh, gripe going. But, but what's worth watching, besides all the storyline around it, check out Ziggler versus Cesaro. Great match, god damn it, Cesaro! Like every time he wrestles, I remember seeing a uh, seeing an interview that he was on, where he talked about every time I go out in the ring, I want to do something different. I want to do something that no one's seen before on WWE television. I want to try something different, so everyone's so that when you know, they know my, that when they watch my matches, they expect something new and fresh. And he lives up to that. He's doing stuff. He's doing a little a little counter counter moves and reversals and moves that you've never seen before. And this is no exception. So, awesome match, check that out. Um, okay, so
1: let's get into
0: TNA Impact. Was T- was uh, TNA good this week, or were they TNA awful? Uh, yes, I'm going to keep laughing about that gag until I change the title of the segment.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I, TNA, I tell you, what, Impact Wrestling, they have enough good action week to week to fill up a two-hour show. There's enough good matches. uh, And this week we had, you know, uh, Eric Young versus Bobby Roode. Great match. Joe versus Lashley. Not as good, but still a good match. Um, You know, then of course we've got the hype for the tag team. The tag the tag team three way situation where you got the Wolves and the Hayes and the Dudleys and you know, and uh, then we got Taryn Terrell and, and uh, Gal Kim and that was a solid match. Those girls have great chemistry. So you know, as a standalone show, TNA are doing the best they can with what they've got, and they're just putting out matches, good combinations of matches every week. You can't discount TNA for that. They're trying, you know. Um, but the problem is the storylines are just not there, and I just don't care about the storylines. Um, there's like, especially when it comes to the World Championship program. I love, you know, the, the stable of MVP being the mouthpiece and Kenny King being that obnoxious little shit on the side, and Lashley being the dominant champion. But like, where's Lashley going? Like, what's the end game for Lashley? Come on, bound for Glory, which is their biggest pay per view of the year. What's what's the end game for Lashley? I don't know, but you know, and, and, and like down the down the down the line, you've got um, you know uh, Gunner and uh, Samuel Shaw and that thing. And it's just kind of a bit like, uh, and yeah, I, the only one I'm kind of curious about is James Storm's character. I think James Storm's uh, evil heel character is great. I really like it. He's this dark kind of southern guy. I, I and you know he's got Sonata, and he, like he's as he's as his bitch and he's like doing little I did, it, it's very interesting like he's kind of like taking like he, he kidnapped uh, I think Manic this week on, on Impact so you're wondering what's going on there and yeah, it's, it's intriguing you know I want, I want something intriguing that's going to make me come back to TNA Impact and James Storm I think's got something there with his character and his association with Sonata so besides that, you know, EC3 thing with Reiner, yeah, just it's, it's all just meh um, when it comes to storylines. What the hell is going on with this Havoc character? Now, of course, Havoc had been uh, teased for at least two weeks, and she came uh, and debuted again uh, after the Tarantula Gal Kim match. Talk about your generic debut for a big big female wrestler. What and what the hell was she wearing? She, it looks like she had like she had like a like a Blade Runner s kind of like band around her eyes, and she she's wearing like a mask that 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 looked like the guy from Killzone. If you ever played Killzone? Or those soldiers, they always wear those like breathing masks. Or oh, he looks like she looked like Darth Vader with that breathing mask. It's just like a complete mishmash of a character. She was laughing, and she just did you know, Fitz Finley's a uh, uh, Celtic cross. And, eh, and this is your big debut. I mean, I would save debuts for like you know for big stars. or I don't know big stars that you acquire and you debut them because TNA is not really at a stage where you can really push new guys. I and mean, like you can, but whatever. Like, Havoc is not it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Havoc is not it. It's too early to say, but she did not impress me at all. So what's the verdict? What is the verdict for TNA? It was borderline TNA awful. It wasn't completely terrible. I think that's the new category for this uh, segment. Borderline TNA awful. I mean, uh, I'm being slowly desensitised by the good matches and nothing being in between. You know, I'm saying now to get to a point where this formula's good, but then I need to improve on it with something that I, that, that could be worth caring about. And uh, that is your TNA Impact Review of the Week. So, very quickly, what was the matches of the week? <laughs> there wasn't really that many matches. It was a big struggle. As I was watching the shows throughout the week, I'm like, man, it's going to be hard to find three matches. But we got there in the end. A uh, third match of the week was uh, Bobby Roode versus Eric Young. Solid, good wrestling match that put over the championship and the, the uh, need for each man to be that number one contender. I'm a huge fan of number one contender matches. Uh, I really, really like them. I think they're really, really solid. I think, I think uh, they, they they do so much for the championship, and uh, this was no exception. It was a great, good match, good, uh, good chain wrestling leading to Bobby Roode picking up the win. Uh, Kalisto and Cara versus the Board Villains from uh, NXT, as we talked about, Yeah, just a, a good, solid four-minute match, uh, putting over the Board Villains as well as Kalisto and Cara in the process. And of course, the number one match of the week was Dolph Ziggler versus uh, Cesaro on SmackDown. Again it was it was just a, uh, a great match. Uh Cesaro just shows so much every time every time he's in the ring. Um uh any other week this this man not even made it but, you know, it was, like pretty much this was the best match of the week and that you know, like, I don't, I don't want to say like that that says a lot, but it doesn't because both guys are good. But it says a lot you know what I mean uh, no main events were like you know matches of the week so yeah there are your matches of the week so the podcast of the week what was the podcast of the week now uh, for those who have been living under a rock for the last uh, week Talk is Jericho Chris Jericho uh, podcast picked up Triple H as their as a guest for a two part interview one part on Wednesday and the other part on uh, Friday. That is, that's all up there now on Podcast One. Do check it out. Uh, it's always a good sign when like the apparent heir of WWE is uh, is uh, doing things like this and talking uh, to Jericho uh, candidly about his career and about things that have happened, his relationship with Vince McMahon. Um, yeah, uh, we, we we reviewed uh, part one of the of this show this week, and uh, we've got a few excerpts here. But um, before we get into it, you know, they really started talking about like, uh, providing a good snapshot uh, of like, how WCW and WWF had differed uh, back, back when Triple H first started. Uh, it was really uh, a really good, really good start, and actually I've got an audio clip, so if you just bear with me, here it is, talking about uh, the, organis- the unorganization in WCW.
1: There was no direction to anything, it was yeah. just it was just you just kind of showed it was it really was like working the indie shots for everybody else, but just with some t v cameras right right and and big names mm-hmm. and um but here, man, there was a structure and an order, and you know everybody knew what you were doing and when you'd come back, chief would pull you aside and do this, do that, you know like there was a lot of and you, you got a lot of advice from the talent and just a yeah. lot of different things. So, like people, as much as they want to see you do good, not too good, right? It was still the same deal, but yet it was just a whole nother realm of professional. Yeah, and and you, you know, knew who was in charge.
0: Yeah. It says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, like, WCW was the biggest pro wrestling company in the of the 1990s. They destroyed WWE eighty two. 82 weeks in a row. And, like, they were so unorganized. Like, you know, no one knew who the boss was. No one was giving out, you know, that creative was written, like, seconds before the show had started. It, yeah, it... No wonder people like Triple H and, uh... And, uh... Jericho, you know, just found su- such new, uh... fuel when they went to WWE. And, uh... As the interview c- continued on... Uh... They talked about uh, Triple H and how how the name Triple H came about. So here's another little excerpt just talking candidly about how uh, Triple H went from a terrible French gimmick to uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley.
1: JJ called me in the room and said, we uh, we got your name. You're going to be Reginald DuPont Helmsley. And I was like, holy cow, like, here I am in the bad name category again. Like, I'm like, Reginald Dupont Helmsley. And he's like, yes, you know, like the Helmsleys, uh, the Dupont heirs, and all that stuff. And I'm like, holy shit. And, and then he was like, well, you, you, did you have some stuff? And I, yeah, I had like a notebook pad with all these names on it. And... Uh, I so, said, you know, I was trying to come up, I, I had been trying to come up with something that was like, that you could make initials out of, mm-hmm. right, and so I showed him a bunch of different ones, and I don't remember where they were, but it's just a bunch of different ones at all, like, certain initial plays and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and, uh, Like, you mean like an MVP or something? Yeah, where he yeah, something yeah, out. yeah, I spelled you. something out, right, okay. and then, uh, so he said, oh, well, let me take these and get them back to creative, and then the next thing I heard, they called me up, J.D. called me up and said, uh, hey, we, we went with a little bit of your suggestion, you're gonna be Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Mm.
0: Well, I've just got to be thankful that uh, Triple H stayed with Hunter Hearst Helmsley and didn't go with Reginald DuPont Helmsley. What a horrible, horrible, horrible name. And that's WWE creative for you sometimes. they just <laughs> yeah, You really kind of need the uh, uh, extra influence of the actual pro wrestlers. They're going to be living the gimmick. And I think that was a good example of Triple H kind of stepping up and showing that, eh, you know, I know the character. I really want to uh, give something back to the character.
1: And finally, for the
0: final excerpt that I have here, a very, very interesting uh, interview that uh, Triple H was uh, uh, privy to uh, back in the uh, early 90s. The question was asked, obviously, uh, what influence did the the clique, that being Sean Waltman, uh, X-Pac, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels have... Uh, back in the day because there was obviously a lot of uh, backstage turmoil and uh, a lot of gossip going around saying well did 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 the click have so much power and uh, in uh, Jericho asking this question to Triple H there was a, a very interesting statement made by the game Triple
1: H Vince took rosters out and said if it was your team all of you individually make your own I don't want to I don't want anybody looking at anybody else's paper wow. like being in school what would your team be and and what do you think is wrong with the product? Not saying we're gonna do it. I just wanna know what everybody thinks. Huh. And uh and that's one of those things that I distinctly remember like like Bam Bam was a guy that was like, you know, those guys gotta go and like he was like a big negative to it, and uh, and every single person in that room had Bam Bam as a player, team, yeah. and yeah, like, listen, we, whether we get along with him personally or not, man, he can go, mm-hmm. and he's a top guy, and he should be here, and he should be on the team. Like, and it was, like, so it was all business. But I that's, in my mind, the first spark to me, and I'm not saying we laid claim to any of it, but the first spark of the Attitude Era that I ever saw was in that room, because it was, the conversation was a lot based on reality why do we have Doink the Clown? Like, why can 't you know basketball players just wear basketball uniforms and go to the ring and I mean go to the court and play basketball and michael jordan 's the most famous guy on the planet he 's just this unbelievable basketball player why can 't we just be wrestlers? Why do we have to be firemen or cops right. or or doctors why can 't it just be more real and make it more real let 's stop insulting the intelligence, get rid of the camp and Vince was really into the conversation that 's the first time I had ever heard it audibly like laid out that way and I kind of feel like that was Vince going like yeah there's yeah we need to get away from all that stuff
0: isn't it interesting Yeah, you know, the first thing that the pro wrestlers say to Vince and all that stuff is that we need something real things need to be based in reality not this campy stock character kind of bullshit and uh yeah I think that's the, I think with conversation like that I agree with Triple H that have start, started the attitude area and started tr- uh tr- uh having uh, this man think in a different way so that was the Triple H interview there's a lot of other stuff that he chatted about uh, his relationship with Vince and then the p- part two on Friday that we we didn't cover here on the show talked about the Monday Night Wars and the rivalry the, the legit rivalries that he had with Rock and Jericho the biggest pops he's ever seen the match where he, it talks about the match where he tore his quad and because Jericho was in that match they kind of reminisce about that very nicely uh, his rise to the top he's uh the, the start of the uh, performance uh, center NXT Bray Wyatt's evolution so definitely check this this two parter out I I have I highly recommend it to every single person
1: and while you're there
0: I, I podcast one check out all the other interviews that the past interviews that are uh, Jericho Steve Austin and Jim Ross have done because there's so much good content up there that uh, if you're a true wrestling fan you'd be silly not to check it out. Okay, so finally, the final segment of the show. Let's just get into the weekly visit to the vault. So what match are we going to be watching this week? Of course, all the matches that I recommend, uh, unless said so, are on YouTube. So you can find them very, very easily. And uh, this week, you've got one of my top... Easily in one of my top ten ma- favourite matches of all time. It's Chris Jericho versus Rey Mysterio for the Intercontinental Championship mask t- Versus Title at The Bash in 2009. This storyline and this rivalry and this payoff at the pay-per-view encapsulates the greatness of SmackDown in 2009. There was so much good stuff going on there, uh, from uh, CM Punk uh, cashing in his World Heavyweight Championship money in the bank contract, turning heel against Jeff Hardy, uh, Edge and Chris Jericho eventually becoming the unified tag team champions for a very short time, obviously. Uh, the rise of John Morrison, uh, the the u- utilisation of the Hart Dynasty in main event uh, uh, programs. There was so much going on. And then you had Jericho versing Rey Mysterio coming out of WrestleMania. Uh, of course, Jer- the story was that Jericho was obsessed with the raised mask, uh, called the fans you know, hypocrites for liking a man who's afraid to, sh- uh, sh- to show his face to the real world, unlike Chris Jericho, who's an honest man, of course. Uh, of course, one of the best uh, segments was the Jericho had hidden in the crowd uh, as a Rey Mysterio fan with the mask. And of course, for everyone who, uh, who's watched Rey Mysterio for years in WWE, when he comes down to the ring, he uh, goes up to the fans, and he, uh, to the young fans, and touches them, and says, you know, you know wish me luck. And, and of course he did that, but he didn't realize that Chris Jericho was one of the fans. He did, uh, Rey Mysterio goes up to Chris Jericho, he does it, and then Jericho just rips down his head and slams him into the barricade. Awesome spot. Uh, this awesome little sequence and a little awesome angle. Uh, if we're talking about like, uh, Jericho and uh, had won the Intercontinental Championship from uh, Rey Mysterio at the previous pay-per-view, using the mask, taking off the mask mid-match to get the win. And, of course, uh, this multi-month feud just pushed the Intercontinental Championship and the importance of the title like never before. I mean, uh, and, 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 and never since. I can't remember a great IC title match or program that's done wonders for the title like this, this has had since. If anyone can remember one since oh nine, please tell me because this is what this is this is the the cream of the crop as it, as it comes to uh modern day intercontinental championship programs So in the match uh I tell you what Jericho was just at the peak of his career with regards to his character. He was the most obnoxious assholy guy. In the ring, he's just such a prick. He's calling out, "Come on, suits 190s." He's ripping at uh, Rey Mysterio and tearing him apart. And of course, Mysterio has this uncanny ability just to sell brutal, brutal moves and transi- transition spots in the matches. Like he takes this slingshot from like all onto his shoulder into his neck, right into the guardrail, and it's so painful. But the, like, you watch the match, it'll be just a good match. For the last eight minutes, are incredible. You don't know who's, who's going to win, even though it's a mask versus title match. and WWE isn't going to do what WCW did back in the 90s. They're not going to uh, unmask Rey Mysterio. But the last eight minutes suspended disbelief and make you think that uh, Rey Mysterio might be might be in trouble. Um, but yeah, awesome match. I'm not going to ruin it for you because I, I could go through spot after spot of what was great in the match. Go check it out. uh Fantastic, fantastic action. Uh, easily in one of the top ten matches that I've ever seen in my in my career. So, in my career. <laughs> in my career of being a wrestling fan. So do check it out. Uh, fantastic stuff from The Bash 09. Jericho vs Mysterio for the Intercontinental Championship. Well, that's all we have time for tonight. As always, thank you so much for listening wherever you may be out there in wrestling radio land. Remember, you can catch up on my weekly articles on prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. The the Wrestling Weekly Rope Break tagline that I've used since I started writing in 2011 has been put to rest. Uh, I'm now just going to be known as Joel O'Brien. My articles I found under my name and nothing else. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of sad because I started writing in 2011 and that was my tagline, Wrestling's Weekly weekly Rope Break. And... uh, I evolved with PWP. Everyone's using their own t- names as uh, titles for the articles, and I'm going to go with it. So, yeah, kind of sad. But, yeah, you can just find me. Just look for Joel O'Brien. All my articles are there. Um, if you want to reach me, follow me at Wrestling Artbreak, capital W, capital R, capital B, or email me at O'Brien underscore Joel, no, no apostrophe needed, and tell me uh, what you think of the show or anything pro, pro wrestling on your mind. Remember, any feedback is good, good feedback. If you, hate, if you hate parts of the show, if you hate my new audio intro that I actually didn't uh, point out last week, you could please tell me. I'm always up for, for new feedback. So, yeah, reach me those, on those lines and I will definitely reply. So, once again, thank you so much for listening and, I, and you'll, I'll catch you on the next Wrestling's Week That Was.